Hello everyone and welcome to This Makes Us Uncomfortable, a podcast where we talk about things that make us uncomfortable. Um, And today's topic is very uncomfortable, I think, and I'm very excited about it. Um, But my name's Candice, I use she, her, and they, them pronouns, and today I have with me... My name is Carly, I also use she, her pronouns, as well as they, them, theirs pronouns, Um, and I'm just excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited too. Carly and I used to live together, this is going to be great. Um, Oh, yes. So today, yes, this is our last episode of the year, um, which is so exciting. Um, Thank you all so much for listening this year. Um, Obviously, this isn't the last episode of the season, but still, um, it means a lot to me that you all have stayed this long and continued to listen to me and my bullshit. I very much appreciate it. So today, Carly, what makes you uncomfortable? I would say that what makes me uncomfortable right now is where I am in my life and the fact that my future is very nebulous. It's very unclear to me. You know, I think most of my childhood, I had an idea of what my life would be. And then family crisis happened and everything was upended. But then everything that kept me looking towards the future was I'm going to go back to Florida. I'm going to go to college there. I'm going to start my new life. And that chapter of my life has ended and everything I looked forward to my whole life is now in the rearview mirror. And I don't, I never thought beyond that. And so now that I have the opportunity and, you know, the expectation to do so, it's very scary to me to think that I don't really know what I want. I have some ideas and then they're wishy-washy and I'm still trying to figure it out. What do I want to do? Do I want to go back to grad school? What degree do I want? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to move? What's my relationship going to look like? Is like, how does that factor in money, travel, spiritual growth and trauma, therapy, all of it? Thank you, Carly, for sharing that. What makes me uncomfortable today is changing myself um, and growing. Growth is very uncomfortable, you know, it's kind of the theme of this podcast. <laughs> Even, you know, this is hard for me to admit, but even changing for the better is really uncomfortable to me because I don't know who that person is. The person that I'm changing into is going to have a lot of different behaviors and a lot of different um, dreams and a lot of different wants and desires and fears and all those different things. And I don't know who they are. And like trying to become them is very scary to me and makes me very uncomfortable. Absolutely. And I would say I'm sure with your action. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. So we're going to answer some of your questions today. Um, And the first one is how do you support someone you suspect is dealing with addiction? No proof, just the signs. Carly, I'm going to let you have this one. Yeah. Um, So I think... Just to kind of start off, first and foremost, I actually work in substance use recovery, so that's kind of why I wanted to at least give some thoughts on this uh, question. Um, The one thing that I was thinking as I read it was that it's really important for people to keep in mind, I think, that addictions and substance or alcohol dependency most oftentimes begin in adolescence and young adulthood. Um, It's not something that you just you know, suddenly have when you're a, you know, the stereotypical older adult where life has gone to the garbage can and, you know, it really begins with behaviors that you normalize in young adulthood, like partying and binge drinking in college. Um, It also comes from, you know, mental health issues or physical health issues that are just not being properly addressed. So I think you know, making sure that you have those support systems in place or that person has those support systems in place to get those issues um, or concerns addressed and there's their needs met. That's the most important thing first so that they don't feel as compelled to move towards addressing those issues by not addressing them, by hiding the pain or masking the pain or whatever it is they're feeling and turning to substance or alcohol. So making sure that they're okay in those other regards first 
um, maybe talking to them about what's going on in those regards instead of coming out right saying like, hey, are you addicted to this? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a little bit. They also mentioned that they're like, no proof means that there's, they're not, they don't know if they're using. So it's just like their general behavior just seems like that of someone who is experiencing addiction. So it is really rough. I guess also just like letting them know and reinforcing that, you know, they can trust you and they can tell you anything. And I think it's okay to let them know that their behavior lately has been concerning. Absolutely. I think that's where it really begins. I think the answer would still be the same for me um, in both of those cases. Then is like, check in, check in with your friends, check in with your loved ones, um, ask them how they're doing in regards that you don't even think have anything to do necessarily with, you know, substance use or alcoholism. Just saying like, how's school been going? How's work been going? How are things going on at home? How are you feeling day to day? What's going on? Like, mm-hmm. hopefully you have enough trust established where those questions are appropriate and okay to ask them um to even have this concern in the first place about them but you know if it's not you then at least try not to start drama but at the same time check in with you know someone else being like hey um i haven't heard from so-and-so lately um have you been hearing from them um maybe we should invite them to do something or find some way to subtly incorporate getting to know what they're what's going on with them into the conversation I agree. I don't think, I feel like this is like your area of expertise, so I don't know if I have more to say on it, um, except for just like be vigilant as well. Maybe have some resources on hand about um, where they can go. Like that's not, like addiction and getting over addiction oftentimes requires professional help. Mm-hmm. And you are not a professional. Unless Absolutely. you actually are a professional. But... <laughs> Disorder is something that can actually be diagnosed by a psychiatrist. So yeah. getting in touch with either a primary care practitioner or a psychiatrist, um, they won't outright say questions like, are you addicted to this thing? They will probably ask you, like, you do any drugs or do you drink alcohol? How frequently? How much? What kind? Those sorts of questions. Um, and so... It is important on some levels to be honest <laughs> as best you can be and are comfortable with doing with those professionals so that they can actually give you the right level of care that you need. Um, and at the end of the day, one resource, especially for people in Florida, that I want to give is um, a website called SAMHSA. It's spelled S-A-M-H-S-A. It stands for like Substance Abuse Mental Health Services. I think that's it. Yeah, .gov. So samhsa.gov, um, and it's basically a search database for substance abuse and mental health resources. I don't know if it's in the whole country, but it's at least in Florida. It might be a whole country. I think it's a country wide. Yeah. 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 Good. Yes. (laughs) And I, because of today's topic, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, um, we'll be putting lots of links on my Twitter, on my Instagram, and all of those good things, probably in the body of the description. Um, so our second question is, what is one of the most important lessons you learned in an argument? I, like, can only think of arguing with one person in my life who was pretty abusive. Um, and I think that it's that, like, abusers, I was gonna say are on some shit, because they are, but that doesn't explain what I'm trying to say. It's that they are master. You have to be, okay, this is the lesson that I learned. People are master manipulators, and you need to trust yourself sometimes. Also, it's okay to admit when you are wrong, um, but, not but, and, you know, if, if you're admitting that you're wrong, and the person is also wrong, but they're not admitting that, um, that's something that needs to be addressed either during that argument or later on. Um, so yeah, like some people are just massive, massive manipulators and you should definitely trust yourself and your feelings and recognize and arguments are not the end of a conversation. Typically you'll have time. This is a one lesson. This is several lessons, but you'll have time to finish these conversations and stuff like that later so 
so just make sure you're understanding that that is not the end all be all even when you're in the argument like this is not where this is going to end this is not a one-time conversation absolutely i would agree with that and i would i would actually add on to it um that when people are in an argument um it's an opportunity to try to learn each other's perspectives hopefully it's a mutual understanding that both people involved need to take a second to maybe you engage in active listening and reflective listening saying like so when i hear what you're saying is a b and c is that right does that sound right and trying to understand mutually obviously when heated emotions are involved as they usually are that's really difficult um this is assuming that this is some sort of civil argument or something be reconciled in that way although not all arguments are like we just explained there are manipulator manipulators and manipulative people um, with hidden agendas and are not forthcoming with why they have the viewpoints that they do or why they're coming at you this way um and i think it's an opportunity to to grow to learn to reevaluate needs it's usually a sign that needs are not being met usually when there's an argument it's i have a need it's not being met you're not helping me meet that need or you're preventing me from meeting that need and we need to find a way so that i can have that need met and usually the other person feels something similar and so you have to find a way to meet both people's needs accordingly and that takes a lot of strong communication skills and emotional maturity and patience but it can be done um, that's something that i have learned that it's not just always people out to get you or make you seem like the bad guy although i've been in arguments with people who do that mm-hmm. but um you know there are definitely trying to give people the benefit of the doubt usually somebody was hurt try to validate that even if you're the one who did it and you don't want to admit it like admit if you did like okay i was wrong it's okay to be wrong i can learn from this i can grow from this we can go forward with this especially in relationships i feel like a lot of people think that if you just argue in relationships and it's a terrible, awful relationship and it's going to die out. But that's just how you encounter life together. You're not going to agree on everything all the time. That's just how friendships and relationships work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my thought. <laughs> yes. Okay. So today, today for our final topic of the year, we are going to be talking about toxic behavior. Woohoo, our favorite thing. Right? Our favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this because, one, it's the end of the year. We're making resolutions. We're trying to change and things of that nature. And I think that people talk about toxic behavior so much. And there's just, like, a lack of understanding of what it really is and how it really affects you and stuff. So, Carly, what is toxic behavior? Okay, so I had to think about this a bit, and I thought of my own examples, but I wanted to first do what any other person would do, and just Google it. What does Google say? And WebMD had a blog that said, excuse me, that toxic behavior is essentially just um, causing harm and um, poisoning the relationships of some kind. So it's like both are usually involved in what it is. I would definitely say that there's possibilities for toxic behavior that is intentional and some that is unintentional or, you know, I guess a better word would be there's a lack of awareness of what their behavior is and that is that it's toxic. Um, and I started trying to wonder, and I have love your thoughts on this, Candace, like is there an objective definition of what is toxic? Or are there more subjective definitions of, like, what behaviors classify as toxic? Or is it an overlap? Like, what do you think? I think it's an overlap. I, I definitely think think that things that can be really toxic to you just might not bother someone else. For people who deal with mental illness, if someone is making you feel bad about, like, things that your mental illness causes and behaviors and is like we could have the same behavior but the reason we have those behaviors are very different so you coming at me because I'm a person with a mental illness is just it's different does that make sense 
Yeah. But I also think that there are things that are just, like, objectively, like, this is toxic. Like, you can't treat people this way. And, like, I think the objective definition is things that cause people extreme harm. And I think it's important to make the distinction that something can cause you pain and it not be toxic. Someone, like, leaving you could, like, have been really painful, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's toxic. Usually when I think of, like... I know one of the things we wanted to talk about was how the term toxic or the label of toxic for a set of behaviors or personality traits or whatever in a person, ways of thinking in a person, um, are really just, it's overused. You know, maybe you're just talking about something that annoys you or something that just... Yes. Temperaments or difference of how one would approach a situation. Um, I think there are differences. I did end up bringing up that... um, that WebMD blog post and the more specific like verbatim definition they give is that toxic behavior is anything that poisons a relationship and could limit another person's growth. And I would go so far as to add limits your own growth. Yes, because you can be toxic towards yourself. Absolutely. And that's just the tea. I want to talk about that too. Yes. We are going to talk about our own toxic behaviors and I will be telling you all the toxic behaviors that I exhibit on myself. (laughs) It's fine. Let me just put myself on blast. It's like, so, okay. That's what we're here for. (laughs) That's what you, that's what the people are here for. It's just going to listen to me. (laughs) Period. And I think also like toxic behavior like, the ultimate toxic behavior is, like, refusing to change that toxic behavior because you're just, you're just hurting people, you're hurting yourself, and you're not acknowledging it and things like that. Yes, especially, I think, it's the ultimate metatoxic behavior when you refuse to change your behaviors, especially if you've been given the opportunity um, to change when someone brings it to your attention. Like you were saying, not everybody tells you when your behavior is toxic. And I've encountered that a lot myself when I had to analyze for this podcast, what are my own toxic behaviors? And I kind of encountered the problem where sometimes I don't always have the point of view about my own self and what I need to be better or improve. I, you know, not everybody will have the bravery and courage that it really does take to tell someone you care about like hey you're hurting you are not good for me you are being toxic like Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of a lot of energy to muster up and say that to a person that you have history with that you care about um and we'll get more into that topic a little bit later but that's that's a hard part of it when someone actually comes to you with that and like that's such an honor I think to be called out or called in and to stop being offended is, like, such a huge part of my own growth, um, or to not be as offended. Obviously, it's going to be a little off-putting, but that discomfort, this uncomfortableness, like, the theme of this podcast is, is important. Like, when someone is giving you that opportunity to grow, like, wow, thank you. Yeah, you need <laughs> to take it. For someone to do that and for you to just completely dismiss it, if you love this person and you care about this person, so for someone to come forward to you and be like, it really hurts me when you do this or when you do this it doesn't even just hurt me it's it affects my life negatively and for you to just be like I don't care or I'm not gonna try to change or I'm not gonna evaluate what exactly it is that I'm doing wrong here then you're kind of trash (laughs) low-key like that's the end result of toxic behavior, the ultimate consequence is you are causing harm to yourself, to others, to both, point blank, period. Doesn't need to continue. You have a choice in this matter. One of the things that I think falls under the definition of what is toxic behavior is it's a learned behavior. You don't just come out of the womb being a toxic person. You know, I understand it can come from a lot of built-up habit of surviving a traumatic environment, um, surviving, like, traumatic upbringing or people in your life that you had no choice but to interact with on a regular basis. That's one thing. But also, as we'll get into later, like, is that an excuse? Does that justify you to keep doing the toxic behavior? Probably not. You have the opportunity to be your own person and to grow beyond that. And I think you should take that opportunity as soon as it comes to your attention. Because 
what do you have to lose except a toxic behavior? You have so much to gain, more enriched, trusting, authentic friendships, and a better view of yourself, more confidence that you are coming at people in a very authentic, genuine way. Mm -hmm. What's not to like about that? What's not to like about that? So we're going to talk about some common toxic behaviors. One, I did, I should have done this at the beginning, I apologize, just as a general trigger warning, like, these are things that could have happened to you, and some of these stem from abusive relationships, and if that is something you've experienced, this might be kind of hard for you to listen to, um, and I wanted to say that and honor that, um, so just a trigger warning for that. Um, also, we could not include every singular toxic behavior, these are just some of the more common ones that we saw and that we've experienced and things of that nature. We've kind of already talked about like not acknowledging that you're toxic and not trying to be better when you've been presented the opportunity to be better. So we've talked about that a little bit. Did you have more you want to say on that, Carly? I think, you know, if I could just insert my most humble of opinions, emphasis on the most humble right? mm-hmm. is that I think people should just no matter who you are I feel like the ultimate goal of this life of any life of humanity is to become a better person and to grow like what else does every living thing in common have mm-hmm. what living thing have in common is just to grow and to be better why would you want to get worse like what does that, what purpose does that serve um you know, we as beings are social creatures. We benefit from, you know, having strong, healthy relationships with one another. And I think a huge benefit of being a better person is having stronger, healthier relationships with other people. Have Build a better support system so that when your life goes to shit, people actually want to be there for you. Yeah. You should also just want to be there for people, even, like, not as, like, just in case your life goes to shit. You should just want to be there for people um okay the next one oh my god is the struggle for me because this is like self-toxic behavior it's not establishing boundaries and not honoring boundaries especially as like a repeat offense so this is a public call out to humanity (laughs) i think that we are under the impression that there are just a lot of natural boundaries that you don't cross and you know what maybe that is true Maybe there are certain things that you just don't do. And, you know, some of these things may not necessarily be toxic. Like this agreement, like I know in a lot of, this isn't an example of a toxic behavior. This is an example of a boundary that's assumed. Um, I know when people are in the talking stage of their relationships, there's this idea. Some people are like, we are monogamous. Someone else is like, you have not claimed me. Yeah, and, I'm the latter personally. <laughs> and as would I be, and you all just made these assumptions about like the boundaries. So neither of you can be upset. Per- personally, the person who said that they believed that you were monogamous, but you never talked about that. And as far as like setting boundaries for myself, like I have a lot of feelings. I've mentioned this before. I'm a Cancer. Um, and I'm so sorry. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Carly's a triple Gemini. We can talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) But I just never am like, this hurts me or this makes me uncomfortable. Um, like recently a friend of mine retweeted something and he tagged me in it and it really, really, really upset me. And when I was telling someone else, I was like, cause, cause I called him out about it and when I, yeah, I was like, I told him to take it down. And the other person I was talking to was like, I think that he thinks that you're joking because you said it in kind of a joking manner. You weren't really setting up your boundaries. You weren't really taking it seriously. Like, he probably thinks it's a joke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what, you're right, because I don't set boundaries for myself. And even now, I'm not even being really assertive. Being assertive is hard. Oh, yeah. Hard Especially work. Especially when you've never had good practice or encouragement to learn how to do so. Yeah. Which I think is something to people who are, like, um, like women and a lot of assigned female at birth people yes. really struggle with being assertive because 
we all understand misogyny. (laughs) We don't have to get into it. Just the way that we're told that if we are assertive, then we're being bitchy or this, that, and the other thing. So, yeah. And then I think as far as, like, not honoring boundaries is that, like, one, you... I can think of a time where someone had set the boundary of me, like, not to call them upset without telling them I was upset first. And I was really freaking out about something and I did that and I was like, I am so sorry. You can hang up right now. Like, I completely forgot and this is something that I could call someone else with but not you. Um, and they were like, oh no, it's fine. I was like, are you sure? Because I can hang up right now. I can figure this out myself, whatever, whatever. And by the end of the phone call, this person was like, yeah, don't do that again. And was really, really mad at me. And I was like, okay, but like, I understand that I broke this boundary, but I apologized. I told you I could hang up. I did all these things. You said it didn't matter. And now you're upset. Yeah, that specific situation, I also, like, as a fellow person who has undergone trauma and in a relationship, a romantic one at that, um, with a person who is very manipulative and gaslighting, I would always question of, like, oh, am I coming off as manipulative? Am I, you know, even though I'm being sincere, I really do mean it when I say, you can hang up, I can handle this myself. Are they perceiving me as thinking, like, oh, you're only saying that to guilt me into talking to you? Because that's not at all what I'm doing, but I'm very afraid of being perceived that way. And that also just, like, kind of comes back into it's hard to unlearn these behaviors when we also are survivors of trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people who are survivors of trauma are also people who exhibit a lot of toxic behavior because, like I said before, it is a learned thing. You know, it doesn't excuse it, but it's it does give some context, you know, background, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think at the end of the day, the um, add-on I would like to give, if I may, mm-hmm. is that clear communication is so important in so many regards, but especially when it comes to what is toxic and how to establish boundaries and how to honor your own. If you're not communicating your boundaries, you can't expect people to know what those boundaries are. And if you are downgrading the importance of your own you're diminishing the importance of your own boundaries. That's not healthy for you in the long run. I, that I can't see any benefit to that at all, even though I'm guilty of it and I've done it many times throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Again, as a survivor of trauma, like it's just not good for you. Um, it's very important to establish, especially if you like honor your friend's boundaries, why would you not honor yourself? The person you spend the most time with, your actual bestest friends is going to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, like, just communicating, you know, even if people don't outright come to you saying, these are my boundaries, maybe opening the opportunity and taking the initiative, if you must, you know, and saying, hey, is there anything, you know, when we're moving out that, you know, I could do to make you more comfortable? Or is there anything that you would like me to um, talk about instead? Or is there anything I should recognize you when you're having a hard time and I can try to do better about recognizing those things in the moment. Those are just very broad examples. Um, obviously, you'll know what's going to be best with you and the person you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Those would be potential conversation starters to open the door for communication to establish boundaries, especially early on in a friendship or something that's really showing signs of becoming deeper. Other toxic behaviors... Um, being judgmental is a huge one and I wanted to say like one appearances I've talked about this in the my body my business episode that like you should just never be commenting on people's appearance or anything like that I know people who have been like you lost weight that's great and I was like it's actually not good I've lost a lot of weight unintentionally and I don't know why and that's not cute um also you shouldn't have said that in the first place what is wrong with you but I think that's something that a lot of queer trans and intersex people people part of that like the community can relate to is like being judgmental of like just the ways we live our lives our existence essentially I think there are some people part of the community who believe, especially when it comes to their relatives and their family members, that, like, 
oh yeah, they say things that are homophobic sometimes and it's just the way that they grew up and it's the world that they lived in and all those different things. But that is so extremely toxic to you to hear like them use homophobic slurs casually for them to, you know, say things about the way you present yourself, like your gender presentation and things like that. Like that is so incredibly toxic to you. And they, you know, might have to go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that also even goes back to establishing boundaries a little bit, um, just to speak on it super briefly. You know, you have to establish that boundary within yourself and the communication part communicate it with yourself like hey this makes me deeply uncomfortable this is triggering this is xyz if you have the option which i recognize that everybody does but if you have the option to say i'm gonna excuse myself i have to use the bathroom or i need to go check something i'm gonna go change whatever it is find an excuse find a way to just remove yourself even if it's just for a couple of minutes those are boundaries you need to honor with yourself and to not honor that or if you have the ability and you still don't do it that can be toxic to yourself i think in the long run yeah i agree um some other things we saw online being manipulative we've talked about that before people trying to get you gaslighting you and trying to get you to believe certain things or to get you do certain things and you know I know a big one is like you know no one understands me like you do or you know if you're not there for me like who is going to be there for me like things like that like that are super super manipulative and I need you and it's like but you're terrible so <laughs> I have to go <laughs> I have to go so needing to I go is the general theme yeah <laughs> Is the general theme here. And we'll talk about leaving um, toxic relationships. Um, and then not taking responsibility for their own feelings. Now, I have mentioned this before. And I remember listening to this episode back. Um, I don't remember which one it was. But I said, I'm entitled to my feelings. Again, cancer. Have a lot of them. But there are genuinely sometimes you have no business being upset about something that is happening like Carly and I were talking about a book that we read I don't even want to say what the should I say what the book is I'm so embarrassed I'm embarrassed <laughs> it was okay, we can take ownership of our our, our past um it was, it was toxic to have read this book but we've grown we've, we've grown it was there's a lot of toxic relationships portrayed in all of this man's books but it was Paper Towns by John Green we know yeah. And there's just this, there's this part in the book where, um, the main character's friend is talking to him about, um, you, like, you know what your problem is, is that you're always expecting people to be what they've already told you that they are not. They have already, like, they're, I hate those little, like, internet, like, tweets with, like, inspirational quotes that are, like, deep thoughts or whatever, but my favorite thing that anyone has ever said to me on some internet bullshit was when someone tells you who they are, you should believe them. Yeah. And so if I have not made myself, I'm trying to think of something that I wouldn't do. Oh, this is a good one. I am not a great person to talk to when asking about romantic relationships. I'm just... <laughs> I am not the type of person you should come to with issues about our romantic relationship. I don't know. How, I don't know how to help you. I don't know what advice to give. I make this very, very clear. And yet, you know, if you come to me with this and they're like, and I'm not helpful, like you can't really be mad because I've already, I'm doing my best to be empathetic. I'm trying. Yeah. But I already told you already are aware that this is not something I'm capable of. Yeah. You communicated that. So I don't know, like there are just some things that you just have no reasons to be upset. Oh, also, big example of this. So for those of you who don't know what love languages are, they're just like ways that people give and receive love. And so there's words of affirmation, which is like encouragement, kind words, things like that. Gift giving, which is what it sounds. Quality time, again, what it sounds like. Physical touch. Was that the four? There's that, and then there's also acts of service. Acts of service. So here's the thing about me. <laughs> I do not receive acts of service well at all. And that is my problem. I just feel like when people do acts of service for me, they think that I'm incompetent. They're showing me that I can't do things for myself and whatever. But that is not reasonable or rational. 
And I'm recognizing that as a thing. So if someone does an act of service for me and I get mad, I need to take responsibility of the fact that my anger is mine and I need to deal with it because it's not that person's fault. So yeah. This is a segue into our own toxic behaviors. Is that what we're talking about next? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. What are... Um, So let's see. One of the ones that I do the most um, that kind of even relates to that is like making assumptions about other people's needs, about other people's feelings, other people's thoughts, their intentions. So like in that example, you maybe make the assumption that this person thinks you're incompetent when they do an act of service. Instead of just outright saying, like, why'd you do that? <laughs> just communicating, right? Like, yeah. I, I can preach all day and all night that I want to about communicating, and I will oftentimes not do the very same thing. And I will make assumptions, and I have a long history of doing it, where, um, for example, I will assume that a person is not texting back because they are thinking about breaking up with me, because they are thinking about, you know, they're talking about maybe someone else, or I've annoyed them, or X, Y, Z thing that I have no evidence for mm. that only serves to harm me and the relationship I have to that person. Um, and then if I confront them about it or express it to them, I feel they feel attacked, that they feel misunderstood, that they feel like they can't be trusted. And then they start questioning me and it's a whole mess. I didn't mean to do it. All I had to do was say, Hey, haven't heard from you in a while. Everything. Okay. I don't have anything to lose. I don't have to spare my ego. I can be a big girl and handle the truth. It's really just a toxic behavior to make assumptions that are really just projections of my own insecurities. Right. And and only mine. (laughs) Which is toxic for those people and yourself. Yeah, it's an overlap for sure. Yeah. And one of mine, I guess is like not respecting my, this is not something I do anymore. Um, but when I first started college and I started developing, you know, deep friendships and exploring the idea of, like, chosen family and everyone has chosen family, like, that you experience, but as a queer person, uh, I think that chosen family looks a little different, is expecting too much of those people and, like, calling really late when I'm freaking out or, like, you know, these people said that they would be there for me, so I expect, like, I have just the most unrealistic expectations. Or I had the most unrealistic expectations from them, and I demanded a lot of emotional labor, and I was like, I would do anything for you. Which, again, I don't set boundaries for myself. I would just, you know, run myself down trying to be Captain Save-A-Ho for everybody, and also trying to be everyone's parent, that I just expect that in return, and that's just, or expected. I'm not like this. I keep using present tense verbs. <laughs> I need everyone to know that I have learned and grown, but I've expected that, and so, yeah, unrealistic expectations and things like that. Yeah, and I would say I definitely engaged in that as well. Um, I was temporarily um in therapy my freshman year of college um for similar reasons where I invested a lot of emotional dependence into the person I was in a relationship with at the time and we have come so far since then um we are even good friends now but I really recognize like that was probably one of the big things I learned in toxic behavior was that I cannot make one person my lifeline um, nobody asked for that. He did not ask for that at all under mm-hmm. any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are boundaries that I was crossing. Other toxic behaviors that I do, let's see. I don't always own my toxic behaviors or know what they are because of what something we already kind of mentioned is that not everybody will call me out on my behaviors and that's okay. They don't always have to. I don't know if it's really their responsibility all the time. It's kind of a gray area to me, whether it's people's responsibility to call people out on toxic behaviors all the time, if they don't have the emotional capa- like emotional energy capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of my behaviors were toxic. I had to kind of be called out by a therapist um, rather than my actual friends or loved ones. Um, so go to therapy. I literally pay them to call me out on my bullshit. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know, like... A lot of the behaviors in the moment, you know, it's hard. You don't always know that they are toxic until somebody brings it to your attention. So 
maybe there are things in my past that I've done that I still haven't mentioned or talked about or thought about because, you know, for one reason or another, nobody brought it to my attention. And that's not necessarily their fault or their responsibility, but it's just the fact of the matter. Um, So it kind of begs the question of, if you know that people in your life have toxic behaviors, um, are you calling them out on it? Why not? Um, I'm interested to know if anyone has a way of leaving responses to your podcast. Like tweet me. I would love to know why don't you call anybody out or do you call them out and what is the result? How do you recognize those toxic behaviors? Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, okay, so the boundaries that are unspoken about, I think I've broken those a couple of times. Because there are, I think, some things that, like, you just don't do. And, like, you should know that someone isn't going to appreciate that. I, I didn't do it intentionally, but I also wasn't thinking. When I broke those boundaries, I was just like, I wouldn't care. But why does it matter whether or not I would care? That's irrelevant. And I've also, um, I've also been petty about this. And I've asked a good friend of mine if this was petty. And I've decided it is petty. Just because someone has set the boundary for you and you know it doesn't bother you doesn't mean you have to set it to be petty. So, for example, some people don't, you shouldn't call them without texting them first. Me, I don't care. But I remember being like, okay, make sure then you don't call me, make sure you don't call me without texting me first. Just because they said it and I was in my feelings and that was unreasonable, again, (laughs) because I don't care. (laughs) Call me, beat me. If you want to reach me, it does not matter to me personally. Um, But yeah, that's another one of my toxic behaviors. And then behaviors that are really toxic to myself are uh, not setting boundaries. Again, I've talked a little bit about that. Lacking self-discipline. So I am really good about like keeping up with my job, keeping up with my responsibilities that have to do with other people. But when it comes to things that deal with me, it's like really rough. Like when it comes to like just anything I have to have discipline on, like I'm working, I'm sorry I keep bringing this up, but I'm working on a tarot journal because as y'all know, I just got my tarot cards. And I, it is taking me, I'm writing down the meaning of all 78 cards, which like, again, patience with myself, but it's also taking me so much longer than it should because I just don't have discipline and like that's a very very mild example like the world's not going to end if I don't finish my journal before new year's I will just be really mad but there are things that I like am not like meditating or practicing mindfulness or things that I know will improve my mental well-being or um not doing my physical therapy exercises even though I know that those are going to make me feel better I just don't have the discipline to do those things and that's incredibly toxic for myself yeah absolutely Um, I would say one that I am very guilty of to this day and is probably admittedly going to be a lifelong journey of unlearning, um, as toxic behaviors can be, um, is criticizing myself beyond what is motivational, beyond what is justified, beyond what is accurate or helpful and beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Criticism that just serves no purpose other than to cause me harm and distress and brings my mood down, um, and it'll go beyond just my own thoughts, which it is most of my thoughts, but it extends into, um, especially with my romantic partner, like, if I'm on FaceTime, if I'm on a long-distance relationship with him, um, you know, if we're on FaceTime together, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, like, my teeth or something, I'll just start, like, pointing out everything about my body that I don't like, or I'll start, you know, talking about like, oh, I just don't like this personality trait I have. Usually just trying to dump it onto like, oh, well, I, I you know, I, it's because of my trauma. It's because I experienced this bad or the other thing. And not taking ownership of the fact that I can actively try to stop doing this. Um, I do not have to feel or think this way. Where does this feeling or thinking come from? How can I learn it? I just kind of fit into it and he'll constantly call me out. But I, I can I hear it in his voice that he gets exhausted by it. I can hear how exhausting it is that he feels the need to, every time I say something negative about myself, to disagree. To, mm-hmm. you know, and if he ever lets that down, will my own 
thinking start to spiral into, oh, well, he agrees with me. He must think I'm ugly. He must think I'm this out of him. That's not his responsibility. He didn't ask for that. That's my personal view on it. I just don't need to be so harsh on myself. Mm-hmm. Always be, you know, things that I have that other people want, and there will always be things that I don't have that I want that other people have, and that's just the way life is to some degree, at least when it comes to superficial things, right? So I just kind of have to either change the things I don't like that I have power over to change or accept the things I cannot change and kind of move forward from there. Like, it's really a waste of energy and toxic to myself to invest so much energy into criticizing myself when I could be putting that energy towards improving myself. And I'm doing better, but it's a lifelong journey. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So something else I want to talk about, so we've talked about the ways that we're toxic to ourselves, the ways we're toxic to other people, or have been toxic to other people. I want to touch on ways people are toxic to us, and whether or not our toxic behavior gives someone reasons to make us feel bad. Um, not feel bad. You, I don't know. You deserve to feel bad if you're being toxic. I'm sorry. Even if it's not intentional, like, you're still hurting someone and there are going to be consequences to your actions. Um, But rather, is that, like, you know, does that give someone a reason to cause a serious harm? Um, I can think of a friendship that I had where I can definitely see, um, you know, after the fact that I did some things that were very toxic to them and very hurtful to them. Um, but this person, but I didn't know I was doing those things. And this person, after our friendship ended, went out of their way to hurt me and to end other friendships of mine and things of that nature. And I think about this a lot as to whether or not they had the right to do that. Because I think there's a difference between intentional action versus unintentional action. I don't know, I could be wrong. Does that give that person permission to cause me harm? Is that just the consequences of my actions? I think I'm a little bit old-fashioned, um, and I don't subscribe to this saying always, but I do think of it a lot. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, right? So when you go out of your way to cause someone harm because they harmed you first, all that's doing is creating more harm. Nobody feels reconciled. Nobody feels better after doing it, I don't think. Yeah. Like, you're still hurting even after you hurt someone back because they hurt you first. Like, it's just a cycle of hurt. I don't think that's super productive. I think in the long run, you should just try to not hurt people if you can help it. Obviously, that's impossible. We're human beings, and we can't control how other people feel. But if you have the ability and you have the knowledge that you're equipped with to make decisions that produce the least amount of harm that is realistic and reasonable and possible... And you're just doing the best you can. I just don't think there should be justification for hurting people in return. Yeah. Even if you want to. Just don't. <laughs> you can't. Just yeah. don't. I did want to emphasize, not that that's not a good saying, but, like, there's nothing wrong with being blind. The whole point is, like, not, like, yeah. envisioning yeah. things clearly. Yes. Not absolutely. necessarily not seeing. Um, yeah. And then ways that people have been toxic to me... Um, and people have heard us, and I just wanted to talk about this because I want to acknowledge that, you know, we've had some really negative experiences in our lives, and, um, I have talked about, in ways that people are toxic to me, I've talked about, like, you know, me demanding emotional labor from people, but there's also just people in my life that are not emotionally available to me when I'm emotionally available to them and we've talked we talked a little about this last episode but yeah like I have a right to be comforted to be loved and all of those things and if you're never there I think that there's this thing of people seeing friendships as very transactional also as well as like oh you're you're asking so much of me and it's like well, we're friends. At what point do we acknowledge that when you say that you're being friends with someone, you signed up to be emotionally supportive of them? If you yeah. say that you love someone, then you have to love them. Yeah, and not in the ways you think is best for them, the ways that they express they need mm-hmm. love. Exactly. 
Um, I've also, something that Carly and I can both relate to is we've been in abusive relationships. Um, I've never been in a romantic abusive relationship, but I've experienced other relationships that are abusive, and those take a long time to heal from, if that's something that you've experienced. Um, and, you know, when you're in these abusive relationships, they have a way of making you feel like terrible about yourself they're very hard to leave but if you uh, you know I think the first step in leaving an abusive relationship is like talking to someone else about it um or at least one of the first steps that you could take is talking to someone else about it um and also never realizing that regardless of the reason these people are abusive is just not excuse for the behavior so there's reasons and there's excuses right I think that those are two very different things. So maybe a reason why I had unrealistic expectations in my friendships when I started college and my adult life was that I didn't know how to have meaningful relationships. I was never really shown that Um, and at least meaningful friendships, but that doesn't mean that that I have the right to do those things and that doesn't mean someone has to forgive me or things of that nature. Like, why don't I like access service? I don't know. I'll figure that out with my therapist. But I don't have the right. Like, if I get really angry with someone, then I don't have the right to. I just don't have the right to do that. And it doesn't matter why I did that, I think yeah. is essentially what I'm saying. So it doesn't matter why that person was abusive. I know someone talked about um, abusive people in their lives that also dealt with abuse and how you really feel for them and you want to help them heal but like you can't handle being abused either yeah absolutely you're not responsible for someone else's healing that is one of the biggest lessons I had to learn in my own abusive situation yes me too girl (laughs) (laughs) so on a lighter note you want to talk about growth yes I do actually I do want to say that it's totally possible to break free of these relationships. Um, it's And when you do leave these relationships of toxic people, of abusive people, um, depending on the type of abuse, like there are ways to make safety plans. And you can Google what those look like. I'll tweet out some resources as to what that looks like. Um, and it's okay to mourn that relationship. Abusive Terrible people aren't terrible all the time, and that's something people fail to understand. People who are not in abusive relationships or in toxic relationships, um, they're like, why are you there? And it's like, because sometimes they're great. Yeah, that's something that was, that's still to this day as a person with CPTSD from my abusive relationship, like that's been the hardest part is that I have to continuously reconcile with the this person was my first love that they were the first person who showed me attention that I'd never experienced before, that, you know, they had good moments sometimes, and I missed those moments, even if I didn't miss the person. Yeah. And that's valid. And it still is valid. Yeah. It's hard to heal. It makes me feel conflicted in my own feelings, but that's part of my journey, you know, and I think it's very valid if that's something other people experience. I mostly want to share that so that other people realize that that's okay, that they're not alone. Yeah. And that's normal. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, that's all I wanted to say about breaking free from toxic people. You have the power to do so. I believe in you. Carly believes in you. Um, and it's hard work, but you can do it. I promise. Um, and one, I guess, like, growth within yourself is establishing boundaries for yourself. Maybe if you journal, I'm learning how to journal. I don't know how to do it, but we're going to figure it out. (laughs) But if you're someone journals, like, what does boundaries look like to you? What are some boundaries that you already establish, knowingly or not? Bring some awareness to it. And then what are some boundaries you don't currently establish, but maybe you could or would like to? Yeah. And then what are some boundaries that have been established by your friends or your loved ones um, that you do or don't honor? 
how is that working and how can it be bettered yeah and I think that just once you establish those boundaries and like realize it's like an act of self-love right it's like saying to yourself that you know that you deserve better and you deserve to feel safe and comfortable except for when we're growing that's Mm -hmm. when we like discomfort but you deserve to feel safe and comfortable and loved and whatever needs to whatever boundaries you need to set for that to happen is what you need to do um I think taking ownership of your feelings realizing that your feelings are valid a lot of the times again sometimes you have no business being mad about certain things and you should reflect on that I think reflection is really important reflection mindfulness meditation if that's your thing whatever reflection looks like for you taking some time to really ask yourself some really tough questions maybe that's just like laying in your bed looking at the ceiling mm-hmm. and Absolutely. just having a conversation with yourself maybe that's I think something that kind of helped me in my journey to unlearning some of my earlier adolescent toxic behaviors um and emotional growth was Trying to imagine, well, what if my friend or my partner or my mom or my dad or whoever was doing this behavior or reacting this way? How would it make me feel? Mm-hmm. Just kind of that reflective thing. Of like, if somebody else did this to me, would it be justified? Would it be okay if the situation was flipped? And if I say no, then I have to look at myself and try to, you know, make the parallel assumption that my own behavior, my own response was not justified. I like to think that you can, you can't control how you feel. Your feelings are like an instinctual knee reaction thing. It's, right. It's a, a reflex. It's a reflex. And your behaviors are something that you can actually think out. You can calculate. You can feel, pause, think, then respond. Yeah. I think that you can like help feelings that you know you have reflexively go away. Like, mindfulness is, like, part of mindfulness is, like, acknowledging that you have a thought and that that is not a productive thought or that is not a productive feeling Um, because it doesn't make a lot of sense, like me being mad about acts of service. Uh, And, yeah, like, you can grow, like, demonstrating consistency and showing that you're changing. So, like, I did with that friend being, like, I totally fucked up just now. I'm so sorry um and again like people don't have to forgive me but still demonstrating that I'm trying my best and I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to grow every single day um I think is the most important thing yeah when you make a mistake own it we're not perfect humans the road to recovery is not linear it's not a straight upward slope you have divots and valleys and complete reversals of progress and you just got to keep moving forward that's part of life um it's part of being a human but the point is to be you know motivated to keep going to think that being better of uh, being a better person is more worth it than not being a better person than being who i currently am trying to get better will always be the better choice I completely agree with you, and I think that was very beautiful. And so a question that I have is, do you ever ask for forgiveness? And I, I don't I don't ask for forgiveness all the time, I don't think. I don't think that I've always had enough opportunities where I've been called out or called in enough to um, have people, you know, either ask for or demand an apology or express that they like one. And I probably should have apologized more times than I have, you know, having given that answer. Um, but would I want an apology from some people? I think, in my personal humble opinion, um, an apology is a little bit more for the person that has to give it, I think, than the person who actually receives. I, I think it depends on the situation. Yeah. I think it depends, like, I think in certain situations it's like you, I don't know, you just really have to apologize. Like, I'm so pissed, and I will feel less pissed if you just acknowledge that you were sorry. 
I, going back to the person I was talking about that I had hurt and that had gone out of their way to hurt me, they specifically said to me that when they ended our friendship that they didn't want to talk to me until they were ready. And so, you know, I realized I'll never be able to apologize to that person until they decide that they're ready. But like also, you know, how does that apology work when you hurt me too? And also I, I kind of feel like you just, sometimes you don't have the right to ask for forgiveness. I feel like that's not something that you're entitled to all the time. Like, that's a privilege. And again, sometimes it is more about you than it is about them. Um, and it's about you being able to move on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just don't deserve that. Yeah. Not that you don't deserve to move on, but you don't deserve having someone else's permission to move on. You don't deserve having... You just don't deserve to have that forgiveness. You just don't deserve... No one owes you anything. They don't owe you that. Yeah, absolutely. To be indebted to somebody, I I hate that idea. I hate that concept. I hate that feeling. How productive is it? I don't think it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think it also comes down to love languages. I sometimes feel like I haven't apologized or maybe somebody was expecting me to, especially um, people in older generations, like my grandmother, my mother, my aunt in those lines um, of family for me, um, they may be more likely to expect an apology out of tradition, out of courtesy, out of expectation, the way they were raised, etc. I personally am more along the lines of, if you feel the need to apologize, that that's on you if you want to apologize, but I will find my own way to move on regardless of if you apologize to me or not. Yeah, I think also, like, sometimes by apologizing, you could bring up the burden again, like, you could bring up painful memories, and again, like, you just don't have the right, like, if you really, really hurt someone, you just don't have the right to insert yourself in their life again, to be like, hey, by the way, I'm sorry. When it comes to forgiving other people, I feel very strongly about this. Um, You never have to forgive anyone who has caused you severe amounts of pain. And... If you choose to do so, and that person has genuinely shown that they are, that they have grown, that is your business and no one else's. Mm-hmm. So we were giving the example of Rihanna and Chris Brown. And um, Chris Brown is a terrible person. I hate him. Um, oh, but, like <laughs> for like everyone, he's just a violent man for a variety of reasons. Um, but, you know, a lot of people have given Rihanna... You know, she was, she had a video where she was playing his music in the background or something like that. And I don't know too much about, I know what he did to her, but I don't know too much about, like, the situation after and, like, him, like, her forgiving him. But, um, you know, you're not allowed to tell someone how to move on from something and how they're supposed to forgive and forget or if they want to forgive and forget like that's just not on you it's just not your business like she's a whole ass grown person she's her own person making her own decisions with her own feelings and she was the one who experienced it she knows all what happened that's her decision whether to forgive someone or not yeah like in my own situation i don't even know if i do or don't forgive it's very unclear to me um Sometimes I feel like I do, other times I feel like I don't. And I think that's valid too, to not really know if you want to forgive someone or not. Um, if it serves me to forgive with more finality at some point, then I'll do it. But if it serves me better to not, to not waste that energy, to not, you know, then no, that's valid. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I will say, though, if you feel like someone is, again, being around an abusive person and is being abused and is being harmed, you do have a right to speak up and say, hey, this person is abusing you. Hey, this person is causing you a lot of harm as a friend or as someone who cares about another person. You can do that. Um, But if your argument is this person has caused you a lot of harm and I don't understand why you forgave them, then that's different. Yeah, I agree. And also, when it comes to Rihanna and Chris Brown, like, y'all don't know Rihanna. Yeah, that's not your, that's not your bestie. 
Yeah, I know you would love for her to be. We would all love that. We would all love for her to be. But you don't know that situation. Yeah. People who call Beyonce a bird for going back to Jay-Z. Incorrect. That's incorrect. (laughs) She's grown. Her decision. She knows what's best for her. Yeah. She's doing that. Making decisions of what's best for her. So. Yes. Yeah. Carly, do you have closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. Um, just to summarize, toxic behavior, it just causes harm to you and to others. It is a learned behavior. It can be unlearned. It should be unlearned, especially if you're given the opportunity. Um, you have a lot to gain from unlearning it, um, and it takes time. And it's okay if it takes time. You don't always have to forgive people for it. People don't have to forgive you. It's part of being human is to be imperfect and, you know, just to try to be better all the time is the ultimate goal, I think. Yeah. Um, my closing thoughts are that you are a wonderful, capable human being and that you can always grow. And I believe that you can grow. We believe that you can grow and seek therapy if that is something that would be helpful for you and if that's something that you can afford I will tweet out some therapy resources um for low-income people um and for people who just have a hard time accessing 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 (laughs) therapy um I don't know how to talk but my last two closing thoughts are happy new year um it's past but happy winter solstice happy last new moon of the decade all kinds of exciting things are happening the new moon is a great time for you to change your life set new intentions absolutely and it's last one of the decade um oh also fuck jk rowling yeah absolutely yeah those are my closing thoughts All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful, beautiful, beautiful day and a very happy new year. Bye.